and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries, and this is Solid Steps Radio. We are a show for men by men, and we talk about things from a man's perspective. How you doing today, Kurt? I'm doing man. Doing, uh, <laughs> You're doing manly? Well, I'm sure you are. I think you, you are. Know, I'm doing manly because I, uh, I was a part of a man weekend. What does that mean? Uh, you know, my son was, uh, we just, uh, he gathered a whole bunch of guys, 30-some yeah. guys, did a whole man weekend together, and oh, cool. it was, yeah, it was really good. And he got a broken ankle out of it, right? And he did. He tore his ankle up real well. He was playing basketball? Yep. So the term I hear, like, my my boys will come to me and says, oh, he broke his ankles. And I, like, I guess that's the term, like, a crossover, and you, it said, literally, he broke his own ankle. Is it, uh, well, it didn't break. It's just a severe sprain. Severe sprain. Yeah. Okay. Good yeah. war story from a man's weekend. It is good. Yeah. Man weekend's a good thing. Well, good. Well, if you're just tuning in for the very first time, thanks for listening. If you're a repeat listener, we really appreciate you coming back. And we are a show for men by men. We talk about stuff from a man's perspective. We talk about all kinds of different topics and we have the ladies listen to. We thank you for listening no matter who you are, but uh, we want to, to talk to guys and because uh, guys, we need to have a worldview. We need to be able to articulate our worldview and we need to be able to know uh, you know, about our surroundings around us. And, and today we're talking about a topic uh, that is a hot button of hot buttons. There are only a couple hot buttons that when you start talking, say this word, all of a sudden guards go up and it can be kind of uh, uh, a little bit prickly when, when you're talking about conversations about, but we're talking today about racism and about race and uh, uh, how that affects. And boy, I tell you, you go on to social media, you turn on the TV and, and man, that can just be, it's not even like there's conversations about it. It's screaming at it uh, about, you know, even if it's, if it's online through social media. So today we've got a couple guys in the room. We are out of our league, Kurt. We've got two doctors in the room. So we Look out. Really, we're in trouble. Uh, <laughs> but uh, these two guys have committed to say we're going to figure out this whole racism thing today. So we're going to get this all worked out in one hour. In one and hour, we're going to be done. I'm feeling very confident. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Dr. Chuck Tackett, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. That's right. Great to be back, guys. And Dr. Vaughn Walker. Delighted to be here. It is it is great to have you guys. And uh, we just want to, okay, first of all, you you guys are both have uh, are professors. You are both in the professional world. You both mm-hmm. have doctorate degrees. And uh, so you, uh, you, you guys are really, you are very sharp. According to Chad and me, um, you're like way, way over us. But we're, we're just thrilled to have you here. And we want to talk about uh, racism. We want to talk about black and white. And, um, you know, because at the very beginning of time, you know, God, in his heart, when he created man, he, he wants us to get along. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we're to live in harmony with one another. But ever since Cain and Abel, we've had problems uh, all kinds of problems, and uh, so we, let's talk about that. So, um, for, for, first of all, though, Dr. Walker, you have been married how long? Forty-three years, as of August the third. That's good. Yes. Less, I, I less. think you're gonna. I think met you're her gonna, on a campus and as an undergraduate, and I won't let her go. <laughs> I think you're gonna make it. <laughs> I hope so. Anyway. <laughs> and Dr. Tackett, you've uh, you've been married to your bride how long? Forty years. Forty years. You Got bet. Eighty. 83 years between you two. Mm-hmm. That's some serious. And, uh, and uh, Dr. Walker, you have been teaching at Southern Seminary and a pastor for... I, I retired from Southern last July after 30 years of teaching there. I'm still there as a senior professor working with doctoral students and 
been the pastor of First Gethsemane Baptist Church in Louisville for the past 33 years. Mm-hmm. And counting. And counting. Uh, you, and and, and uh, the church history, you said uh, the church was started back 100 and... 1910, 107 years ago. And there have been five pastors in that tenure, two locations, originally almost on the campus of the University of Louisville, and uh, moved to Algonquin in 1972 because of the expansion of the campus. Mm -hmm. So it's been a blessed congregation, not a large congregation, but a consistently blessed congregation. Mm. That's uh, God's used you. Faithfully, thirty-three. In spite of me, he used. Well, that's that's true for all of us. That's uh, and Dr. Tackett, you've uh, you've been uh, you you've also taught at Southern. uh, Oh yeah, um, until about two thousand and four, and then you've been a uh, clinical psychologist in the Commonwealth since January of nineteen ninety one. Nineteen ninety one, and you you do some preaching and uh, speaking all over the place and. so good. So so let's talk about racism though. What you you what really triggered this whole thing, this conversation was Chuck, you mentioned to me we had we had lunch a while back and mm-hmm. tell us the story of what what happens to you when you connect with your brother Dr. Yeah. Walker. Well, when I'm when I'm out and about um you know and Dr. Walker and I are having lunch with one another or uh, one of my other African American pastor friends in the community have been out having lunch. Um, one of the dominant things that happens is that most of the time um, when we're seated at the lunch table, I'm the one that gets addressed first most of the time. And we, you know, most of us don't see that as being a, you know, racist in a sense, um, but it is uh, unintentional for the most part, you know, uh, because one of the most racist things we can do is just simply not see someone. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that. It's not that we're actually saying any, you know, derogatory words or anything like that. It's just simply not seeing someone of a different racial background, and that in a, in and of itself is discriminatory. Yeah. Yes. So, Doctor Walker, when that happens, mm-hmm. what goes through your heart and mind? Actually, I I was not sensitive to that until he said that. I just think because he's gray, they think he's the old guy. <laughs> they just said they go to the old guy first, you know. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's not, I guess all your life is probably something that occurred that it's a minor thing for me. There are many other actions that are much more overt, yeah. that uh, are much more offensive than something like that, especially when he's picking up the check. You know, it's not <laughs> not a really a big deal for me. So. <laughs> uh, so, well, what? give us a, de- a kind of a working definition of racism. Well, I define racism as power. Mm-hmm. It's when you can exercise power over another simply because of your race or background. Uh, the isms are power issues. Sexism is about men having power over women. And I understand the biblical understanding of, of the head, the husband, the head of the wife, and that kind of thing, and I actually teach that. But it does not give me authority to have power over my wife to manipulate her or control her. And racism for me is when one uses their race consciously or unconsciously, to keep that other person sort of in the second seat. 
to uh, to prevent them from having some of the advantages that maybe they've earned. Let me ask you this, Dr. Walker. Have you have you seen that more um, in the last few years? Have you, is that more inadvertent um, when you see that the, the, that power, or is it more? Um, well, I grew up in rural Virginia in a very segregated community, and there was absolute power by whites over blacks. My high school graduation class, I actually went to what was the white high school, and I graduated with one other African-American. I was the only African-American male in my class. I had a very good experience there, but it was quite evident the school board was all white, uh, the disparity between the two schools was so blatant. I'm the first African-American in my county to play football, and was literally told at the black school we can't afford to buy lights for the football team. Then I found out later, they said, well, others bought the lights for the white high school. And so, you know, those are the kind of subtle things that happen. Uh, mm. A window would be broken in both schools. Uh, in the African-American school, they would, uh, at that time, just let it stay broken for a week or so just to teach us a lesson. The white school, it would be repaired within an hour. So you may, if you didn't walk by it, you wouldn't know the window had been broken. You know, those are the kinds of things where power was used. So in those days, it was much more overt. Today, people generally are kind and accommodating, especially Christians, but it's the subtle, unseen kinds of aspects of racism that we experience today when a position is available and you're not even considered, you're not even in the mind of the person who's a decision maker, and it's all about race. It's nothing about anything else about race. You, uh, African-American may have equal education, excellent grades, good work performance, but they're not going to be considered. I mean, I hear all this about blacks have these positions and they didn't earn them and, you know, trying to fill a quota. Well, for everyone that has a quota, there were 50 who were not even considered. Seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, many of my friends have been one of the three or four for a position but they literally knew they were not going to get the position before they even interviewed. They just went through the motions of it to learn how to interview more effectively, that kind of thing. That, that's the subtle way that it's being still done at every level. So Dr. Walker, in, um, as you, over the last uh, couple decades, have you seen improvement in that or no? Oh, no question there's been improvement of race relations. I'm sitting here with you guys. I'm sitting here with three white guys. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't mean to put that down, right. but there was a t- day that that would have been impossible. Mm-hmm. I probably could have only come in this building if I were the custodian. And so, the, you know, the day has changed, mm-hmm. and things are better. There is no question things are better. And there are persons of all races and genders who are you know, leaders in our society, and they influence things. I mean, you can go downtown and you might get an African-American judge, Mm -hmm. which totally changes the dynamics of that whole justice system. Again, it's about power. Mm. Uh, uh, You know, African-Americans are still saying, uh, 
our people are getting longer sentences, mm-hmm. uh, all white juries that sometimes are very insensitive to the issues. You know, and there's a lot of, it's a long story. I don't want to dominate this, but no, there's a no. long story of what happens in a very subtle way. Uh, you know, something like voting. Well, voting determines who's on a, on a jury pool, who's in a jury pool. And so if we make the laws more rigid for voting, then you have, in fact, then reduced the pool of people who can be on a jury, who then will influence to be able to see the person who's before you as a person, not as a black person or a white person, that's the big difference. Wow. We're going to continue to unpack, but we need to take a break. We'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our second segment of Solid Steps Radio. I'm Chad Russell. That is Kurt Satter. We're here with Dr. Vaughn Walker and Dr. Chuck Tackett, both of First Gethsemane Church here in Louisville, Kentucky. And, uh, you know, we're talking about racism today and we want to talk about the differences and we want to talk about the similarities. One similarity that uh, everyone has is they want to be able to have good vision. So they need to go to Vision First Eye Care. Uh, That is who we go to, and we thank them for the sponsorship of their show. We also want to thank Bright Star and uh, Home Care. They help folks stay in their homes who want to be self-sufficient. And then L&N Credit Union, uh, a great local lending institution. So we want to thank those folks for partnering with us and sponsoring our show. Okay, so Dr. Tackett, you, uh, in, in the break, Dr. Walker, you said racism in your kind of a working definition is power over. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Tackett, you, give us a practical kind of definition from yeah. your perspective. Yeah, I think more from a ministerial clinical point of view uh, to me, and a biblical point of view, is racism predominantly at its core is about hate. Okay, and so when we look at the the word hate uh, in the New Te- from a New Testament Greek background, uh, we see that hate really has three elements to it. And the first element it's got is I look at you and I see you uh, I see you in disfavor. So I really don't see less you. Than. I see you as less than. I see you in disfavor. And part of that is, I really am not looking at your worth before God, mm. okay? I'm, I'm not seeing you as someone who was created by God and someone who ultimately belongs to God. So I'm viewing you with disfavor. And then that there's kind of three stages here. The second stage is, when I continue to view you with disfavor, eventually I develop this anger and hostility towards you. And so that anger and that hostility comes up and comes out. So in a racial context, it comes out with discriminatory behaviors, okay? So I have this, this sense of this hostility towards you. And then the, the third element of that is this sense of feud where, where we get this back and forth going, where I relate to you in a hateful way and you respond back in an angry and hateful way towards me. And we just kind of have this you know, feud. So here in the Commonwealth, it'd be like the Hatfields and the McCoys. Okay, we just continue going at one another uh, after five generations, and frankly, we don't have any idea why we're shooting one another. Okay, but it's what we've always done, so that's, that's exactly what we do. Now, I, I will say, being the age that I am and growing up in Dayton, Ohio, I clearly remember signs over restrooms. And I remember being downtown with my mom on one occasion in Dayton, Ohio, getting ready to go into, at that time, Reich's department store, 
And I was getting, I saw a sign for a restroom, need to go to the restroom. And I, so I started to walk toward the restroom and my mom grabs me and pulls <coughs> me back. And she says, Chuck, you can't go in that restroom. And I said, well, mom, why not? And she said, well, look at the sign. And yeah, mom, restroom. That's men's restroom. That's where I want to go. And she said, well, that's not for all, our kind. And I gave her the most dumbfounded look that I think I ever gave my mom. It's a restroom. It's a man's restroom. I don't understand why I can't go in it. Well, it wasn't for my race. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so I grew up seeing those signs and, and was aware of that. But I also grew up in a multiracial community. I grew up right next to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. So all of my life I had African-American friends. I had Hispanic friends. I had friends from various uh, countries in Southeast Asia. That was just the environment that I grew up in. So here I am growing up in the late 50s and early 60s, and I'm living in a multicultural context with a racist dad, which I don't think my dad could figure out. If you're racist, you might not want to live in a multicultural context, okay? <laughs> so dad, in some respects, dad wasn't all that swift, okay? Um, but so from the very beginning, I, I would see in the greater community this sense of hate Um, But in the community that I was actually living in, we didn't hate one another. We were friends with one another. We engaged one another. You know, we saw the commonality that we had with one another. And that was what was really beneficial to me growing up. And so I really feel a whole lot more comfortable in a multiracial context um, than I do in an all-white context. Because I'm just used to being in a multicultural context and feel extremely comfortable Mm. because I can read all of the groups and I can figure out what's going on very rapidly by reading all of the groups. You put me in an all-white context, it's like, okay, i got to think on one rail. Mm. And that's just not the rail that I, I grew up with. Well, and Chuck, you mentioned in the break the, uh, the difference. We have so many things uh, that are common right. than, our, than our differences. Talk, both of you, talk right. about that a little, a little bit. Well, you know, I have the privilege, as Dr. Walker's noted, you know, of, of working with a number of African-American couples, you know, at First Gethsemane. Uh, and I do count that to be a great privilege and a great honor to be able to do that. Um, and, and I can say, I, I don't, when I'm dealing with an African-American couple, I don't deal with any different problems that they have versus, you know, African-American couples have versus Caucasian couples have. The same the Caucasian couples get into the same problems and have the same issues and the same concerns as the African-American couples that I work with, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, so we do have a whole lot more in common, and, and couples are, are worried about, okay, are they going to build a relationship and, and job security and all of that stuff, you know, is, is something that impacts every single couple I deal with. Dr. Walker, your thoughts on that? I think those differences are exaggerated by the society, by media, uh, that human problems are human problems, sin is sin. Mm -hmm. Uh, People who love Christ uh, develop the kind of values that are more in common. I have much more in common with my Christian brother Mm -hmm. than I have with uh, a man who does not know God. Mm -hmm. Uh, The African-American community, in a cliché way, we call each other brother and sister. But the reality is Chuck and I are more brothers around Christ than some of those guys who deny Christ and letting him take rule and reign over their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm. It takes a while to get to that point. It Mm -hmm. takes trust. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I wrote down the word fear. One of the things that happens, I think, with with uh, racial differences are the differences we are fearful of, and maybe we don't need to be as fearful as we pretend to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, <clears throat> that southern environment that I grew up in, it was a environment of isolation. However, my grandmother, who was a f- great Christian woman, would share with the people, because it was a rural community, share with people in our community beyond racial lines. And so when we slaughtered hogs or harvested crops from our garden, we shared it with the poor white community. Uh, down, They lived on the same road. It was in the street. Mm. Uh, so my, my granny would qu- quickly say, Vaughn, take this down to this particular the Beatley family, take it down to them, because she realized they didn't have nearly as much as we had. We were in country middle class blacks because we owned property and, and that kind of thing, and they were renters and very poor. They thought to themselves better than, than us just because they were white, but uh, they, did, they would humbly accept when we brought food to them. Wow, how did you detect that? That that they, because I, I want to I want to get into how how can at times we as white people be offensive? Uh, you know, just the way they carried themselves, the way they talked down to us, that kind of thing. But because we were Christians, and my grandmother just so committed mm. to who she was as a Christian, she and her husband. Who was not my grandfather? She, he, uh, her, they founded our church, and then he died. She married his first cousin, who was my grandfather. So all of us were walkers. So she was sensitive to that. What well, poor whites really had a hard time accepting the fact they were poor, and maybe even much more poor than African Americans, some in that community. <clears throat> that was a hard thing for them to accept because their whole orientation is they were better. And, we, you know, my grandmother didn't have us do that to make them feel ashamed. It was just who she was in Christ. She, she was genuinely looking at a, a family down the road who needed, right. needed some encouragement and needed some help and hope. Right. They were embarrassed to accept it. Uh, and understand a lot of African Americans today who may not have as much as others are often very embarrassed to have to be on welfare and and that kind of thing. It's totally different than what the media portrays, that here are all these people who don't want to work and all of that. Just have a vacancy for a position, and you'll have 300, 500 people show up for one vacancy because most people that I know really want to work. Most men I know really want to provide Mm -hmm. for their families. Mm -hmm. And the laws of this nation, you know, separated families. If the man was in the home, that was the uh, you couldn't get money for, you know, lunch programs and that kind of thing so the men had to leave the home we have destroyed the mm-hmm. the black man since this is a show about men we have really destroyed the psychic of black men in caring for their families but i mean i think about the guys who come to church they are hard working guys amen we have to stop them from working three and four jobs and say you got to give the lord some time because mm. you know on sunday they're exhausted they've, they've worked we're going we're gonna to continue to um, talk about that, and I, and I want to 
I, I still want to continue to have our listeners and ourselves learn really how, how we can be offensive. But we need to take a break right now. And we're going to talk about also here locally in our own backyard. What do we do as Christians, whether you're black or white, what do we do to, to mend and, and do a practical day-to-day? Uh, what do we do on our end uh, to, to contribute to healing? So we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio.